I'm Gareth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. What does an alternate board member do? You know, I guess it's a board member when you're not really a board member. How young is too young for the V8 supercars? And who's the latest in the silly season rumours? There's certainly enough movement at the moment that um, the Dubbota should get one. Find out today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Gary Rogers says that delivering results is the most important part of keeping sponsors in these financial tough times. Nothing will be financially secure unless we do the job, and I understand that. I mean, companies aren't going to distribute their funds to people that don't give them, you know, fair and reasonable commercial reward, and I'd like to think we can do that. But certainly to, to have a company of their standing interest, interested enough in you to want to talk about it is a big start. Rogers, who confirmed that his team will have Fujitsu support in 2010, was surprised to learn that it was the air conditioner leader who was being part of the negotiations. Well, we'd been in discussion with a number of parties through agents and things, and they were one of those parties, albeit I wasn't sure who it was at the time. Rogers, who has competed in the Fujitsu series previously, is now once again looking to see if his team will support the development series once again. Well, yes, it is. I mean, what's happened over the years, we've established a pretty confident uh, or pretty capable business um, you know, um, internally wise with our people and our workers and our management that's there and, and we think maybe we could be a little underutilised but we're not going to go unless A, we can get a budget to do it properly and, and unless we can get a driver that we know can win uh, given the right equipment. I'm not just interested in going racing for the sake of going. And with the Abu Dhabi circuit, the first round of the 2010 calendar, what did Rogers think of the Formula One racing at the circuit last weekend? I was otherwise occupied, so I really don't know. But look, they're not going to spend that amount of money on a circuit and not have everything right. I mean, clearly, I, I think we'll find it'll be a super place. I mean, Bahrain in itself was, and I'm sure that these people have you know, copied and then improved. So I have no doubt that where we'll be heading will be a super venue for the V8 supercars. And they'll, uh, and also in my opinion, and people may think I'm biased, but I think they'll put on a better show than the Formula 1's ever will. Fabian Coulthard is now the hot favourite to move from Wilson Security Racing to Walkinshaw Racing in season 2010, most believing he could slip into the Bundy Rive. That would leave David Reynolds out of a seat. But if the rest of the rumour mill is true, he could find himself moving across to the car that Paul Dumbrell will be vacating. Two offers have been made for Sprint Gas Racing's Rex, Tony D'Alberto, and the Dumbrell family have both expressed interest in them. The Dumbrell team could be run by Lucas Dumbrell, who was severely injured in a Formula Ford crash at the grand final meeting last December at Oran Park. 
It would make Lucas D'Umbrell the youngest team owner at 19 years of age. Jack Perkins has been linked with the team as a possible driver. Talking about youngsters, and on Monday, New Zealand driver Mitch Evans, the youngest driver ever to win an Australian National Formula Ford race, has tested at Winton for Kelly Racing, along with David Serra and David Russell. The Kellys have also said that they're interested in talking to Greg Murphy about the possibility of him running for his Formula team. Murphy ran for the Kellys back in the Kmart days. V8X magazine reports that Troy Bayliss could be running in the main game for a Triple Eight Paul Morris Motorsport Alliance entry supported by Castrol. Most of the rumours that the Paul Morris Motorsport have surrounded the fact that Greg Murphy might be heading over there. But V8X magazine shows you what it might look like if Bayliss takes the lead. Cam McConville has announced his retirement from V8 Supercar Racing at the end of this season. McConville, who is 35 years of age, has decided to concentrate on a new business venture and working on Channel 10's Formula One coverage. This weekend, the V8 supercars are back at Phillip Island. Gary Rogers says that returning to the island is always a good time. If you cannot make it to the track on Saturday, then you will have to wait till after midnight to see the racing on Channel 7, unless you're in Perth or New Zealand. Otherwise, you will be able to stream it live on Big Pond. The V8 Insiders did talk to Tony Cochran about the TV coverage and the change in timing at the LNH 500 and asked if any of the international stakeholders had not been happy with the change in dates and times. No, no, no. I mean, it's just a replacement round, so they'll just take our TV whenever we... And they'll just take it like a normal Australian round. Yeah, there's yeah. no problem with your partners and affiliate teams. No, no, of course not. We get given them two months' notice. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that, would they prefer us probably to be going to Bahrain? Actually, that group we're talking about probably would. Um, but, you know, the reality is we're not. But they, they also share the big picture what this is going to do for them in the future. So, no, we've got no issues or no dramas there. Brad Jones has told the V8 Insiders that he's interested to see how the decisions of V8 supercars are made now that he's an alternate board member. Those of us that aren't privy to the decision-making process clearly question from time to time the decisions that are being made. And, and as a group, we tend to rock through board members pretty quickly. And I just think it's a, it's a step in, in trying to help more people understand exactly uh, the tasks at hand and how hard it is to come to the end result. We'll have a lot more from Brad in this week's White Flag Lab. After the break, Tony Wedlock and Grant Rowley will be along. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen from the Stone Brothers Racing SP Tools. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us on the show this week from speedcafe.com.au, it's Grant Rowley. Good evening, Grant. Hey, Craig. Thanks for having me. 
And from the fastest uh, newspaper in the business, it is Racefax's own Tony Whitlock. Hi there, Craig. Good to be back here. Great to have you both on the show. And for speedcafe.com.au, what a time to launch right in the midst of all the silly season. And just when you thought you might have had all the positions, all the, the ducks in a row, Ken McConville up and retires on you. Yeah, that's right. There's, uh, there's plenty happening. Speed Cafe was launched in the perfect month, I think. Uh, doing it in October was um, was the best call we've made so far. If we'd launched in May or June, we might have ended up talking about the weather a lot, but uh, with um, with the amount of stuff that's going on uh, up and down the V8 paddock, there's, uh, there's lots to discuss. Mm. Now, certainly, when we look at uh, what's going on, We've got Lucas Dumbrell Racing, Tony D'Alberto Racing, all going after two licences that are currently, or Rex as they're currently called, that are held by Sprint Gas Racing. Do we think that with two quality bids like they've both put up, uh, Tony, that V8 Supercars will pull the rug on one of them and go down to 28 licences? I can't see it happening, no matter how much Cochrane might be saying he wants to go to 28. I mean, the ideal number, from what I understand was some years ago, they talked about 26, 13 two-car licences. But I can't see them getting rid of one of the licences. There's too much demand, far too much demand. I mean, I've been listening to, for at least 10 years, people uh, doomsdaying this category, and uh, it keeps on surprising people by, you know, more people wanting licences. That's the critical thing, Grant, isn't it? We've got all the current players that really want to keep racing, but we have so many people on the fringe that want to uh, step up and get into the game. Right, I think I think the best bit about it is that the the guys who are shooting for these these two licenses are both uh, both entries who can offer something good for the sport. Uh, with the uh, the Dumbrells have obviously been been around V8 supercar racing and the Australian motorsport scene for a long time, uh, and that they obviously come with a uh, a good uh, financial background. Uh, and I guess ditto for the Dalbertos. They've been in the V8 supercar series as a, as a team team owners. 2005 eventually won the Fujitsu Championship in 2007, and now I've been running in the main series for the past couple of years. They've got a uh, they've, they've got a great pedigree, and it would be uh, a shame if, if either of those two uh, entries were, were denied a chance to compete. Tony, is it likely that we'll see the powers that be go? Well, we might. We, we've got so many quality entries. We've got people who want to have more licences. We might bump it again and bump it up again like they did last year. Up to 30, you mean? Yeah, that's right. No, I don't think so. I think that's highly unlikely. Um, they want to go back the other way. But, you know, I, I can't see that either of the uh, current applicants for those wrecks. And, you know, I mean, while we're talking about those two licences being used by other people, you know, what happens to Tasman in its entirety? I mean... It's hard to believe that that whole thing is just going to disappear. Um, I I'm sort of find it all very strange. I mean, there, there are obviously many more twists and turns to this whole scenario. Um, the interesting thing, I, I believe that Marty Brandt's name was uh, involved with the Dumbrells. Well, of course, he won a championship with Paul um, some years ago um, in Conica days, I think it was, maybe even prior to Conica. No, what do I mean then? But um, Marty's been building a van for Lucas, uh, a Renault-based van with the floor being cut out of it to, uh, for him to get around in. Now, it seem, would seem amazing from Marty sort of turning his back on motorsport doing that to for him to be going back. So whether he's uh, involved, um, of course, very capable and 
competent engineering fabricating shop. Um, interesting to see if that happens, but on the licence issue, I can't see them uh, going back to 30. Rod Nash Racing going over to Ford Performance Racing. Who do we think is going to get that third seat? Because one of the hot tips is Paul Dumbrell. Well, well Paul Dumbrell has... Uh, and I'm sorry, the Dumbrell family has a, uh, a long association with, with Rod Nash through various sponsorships and, uh, and friendships, I believe, uh, for, for many number of years. So uh, that link there makes uh, a, a great deal of sense. Uh, I reported in Speed Cafe that uh, that Paul has shaped up as the favourite, and uh, I think, in in, in my opinion, uh, I believe you, we're going to end up seeing Paul drive that car uh, as of today. But um, tomorrow, which is a different story, and the uh, the way uh, we, we've seen this silly season sort of uh, take uh, take rapid, sharp turns at uh, at any given moment. Uh, you know, who knows what to expect? But uh, you know, I think as we speak now. Uh, I, I understand that he's the uh, Paul is the favourite to to switch from uh, a, a loyal Holden man to to go and drive for the for the factory Ford team. Mm. Now, Tony, that does leave uh, Walkinshaw Performance in an interesting position, and Fabian Coulthard, if you believe what you read, has been told, "Yep, yeah, you can go out and look at other offers." But I've got to wonder who Paul Crookshank would be having lining up for him if Fabian Coulthard was to take. The uh, the Walkinshaw performance seat that might be vacated. Yeah, I don't believe Coulthard will leave Crookshanks next season. I mean, I spoke to him at Surface Paradise, and in fact, he was keen for me to publish that he was going to have a contract to stay with uh, PCR this year or next year rather. Um, my own belief is, and Fabian hasn't said anything to me about it, but I think that he's going to be at FPR and himself in um, 2011. Grant, what's your thoughts on that whole move? Again, lots happening, and it can change. Uh, it can change from day to day. And, um, to be honest, I'm not. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how it's uh, how, how it's all going to pan out. There, there seems to be some pretty solid chat that um, that Fabian will will end up there at Welcome Shores for for next year. Um, Paul has uh, Paul Crookshank has had said all all throughout the uh, the, the year that. He, uh, he he does have a, a deal for for Fabian to drive with him next year. However, if if he uh, if, if Fabian got a, a, an offer that was going to allow him to um, further his career, uh, i.e. at um, at one of the the major teams uh, above uh, above the level that, that, that Paul runs his current team at, then um, Paul would allow him to go. Obviously, there'd be some uh, some financial uh, kickbacks there for, for Paul to, to get him out of the contract so look I think uh, I think anything anything is possible and I don't think a decision is too far away. Well that then means that we have to look for Greg Murphy to slip in somewhere and and as I speak to you Tim Miles was just ringing me so uh, I'm, I'm keen to hear what he's got to say about the whole thing because uh, um, Murphy was linked with uh, Super Cheap Auto Racing as soon as uh, I heard that Paul Morris is saying, nope, he's definitely not going, I thought that was a sure thing that that's where he'll be. But V8X reports uh, this week that Bayless is a sure thing for that drive with the Castrol uh, link up along with uh, Russell Ingle. Tony? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I 
Uh, from all I've spoken with Paul Morris, he's you know it's either Slady or, or Bayless. Um, if you think back to it, um, certainly Murphy was part of the deal when uh, Supercheap went with Keys Wheel, and uh, because you know Murph played a, a role in uh, promoting Supercheap in New Zealand, I don't know where that uh, network franchise uh, is now overseas. Um, and if that's part of it, then certainly there's a chance that Murph could go there. But, uh, you know, it's, that's an unknown. Um, Paul certainly believes that um, if Slady can't get up, then um, Bayless would be the man in there. Mm. Well, we've only just scratched the surface, haven't we, Grant? There's still plenty to come. Yeah. We need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We'll be back with plenty more right after this. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Tony Delberto from Rod Nash Racing. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me from Race Facts, Tony Whitlock, and from speedcafe.com.au, it's Grant Rowley. And, guys, we, we talked about the silly season, but guess what? There's a race on this weekend, the Island 300, the relocated race from Bahrain because of the deals being done. And I have to say, I must have taken my eye off the ball a fraction because I was so busy saying, well, what about all this money they've spent on international TV rights? I forgot to ask them whether Channel 7 was going to show any of the racing. And uh, the, the big news this week is Channel 7 isn't going to show too much of Saturday on Saturday. Grant? No. Um, oh, sorry, like Tony. harking back to the old days, you probably wouldn't remember. Grant, you were still in your shorts at school when Channel 7 used to put V8, uh, the Shell series, as it was then, back on uh, Sunday night TV at about 11 o'clock. You'd been sent off to bed, wouldn't you? Uh, well... I was fortunate enough to grow up in Sydney and, uh, you know, I think certainly during the mid-90s we, uh, we always had it on in the, uh, in the afternoon. There was never oh, a did you? with oh, okay. Yep. And yeah, growing up, in, growing up in Canberra, we always had the V8s. It was only Melbourne where football, Adelaide where football and, uh, of course, oh, okay. Tasmania right. where they didn't so have TV yeah, okay. well, that missed out Melbourne on Melbourne was the case and, yes, it, it used to go to air on Sunday nights about 11 o'clock, I think it was. I, actually, I mentioned to um, uh, mentioned to Brad Jones this week when I was speaking to him, um, and you'll hear this on the white flag lap, uh, because about, oh, I don't know, but it must have been eight or nine years ago, I said to Brocky with the problem of having the races on seven with all the clashes, would it not be great to have, instead of a Monday night movie or a Monday night series, we have the V8 supercars on a Monday night? And I guess with digital TV, that reality is a bit more possible and we it certainly worked when it was on fox sport tony yeah yeah certainly did um yeah channel seven have only just got their digital channel up and running i think it was last sunday that it, it really went because prior to that they had five digital channels all playing exactly the same thing now at least there's some sort of variety amongst their mix so 
yeah, I mean, it, there's no reason why they couldn't be putting that to air other than the fact it's a programming thing and Solstein maybe doesn't have as much power <laughs> to get uh, the V8 on um, digital on 7 this weekend. Grant, what's your thoughts of the whole TV deal? Uh, well, if, for this weekend, jeez, uh, 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 I'm going to be, be down at the track, so I guess I don't have to get too stressed about it. Um, but uh, I, I think that the, the, the funny thing is that if you live in Perth or New Zealand, you actually get more uh, live V8 TV coverage this weekend uh, than if you live in the uh, in the rest of Australia. So. Um, I find that a little bit odd. Uh, I, I see that Big Pond Sport have come to the rescue uh, in some way and you can uh, view the race live on, uh, on Big Pond Sport over the net. So uh, that's, a, uh, that's a reasonable consolation for those who have access to the internet. Uh, is that a Big Pond people. only, um, Grant, uh, yeah, you know, or is that anybody? I tried to research that today uh, and I actually jumped on the Big Pond site to have a look at some of the V8 supercar videos that are up there but uh, it wouldn't let me do it. So perhaps you've got to be a Big Pond, uh, Big Pond user but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking out of school mm. here. I'm, I'm not yeah, sure I'm yeah, more able right. to answer that better than myself. Mm. Yeah. All right, to the race then and 300 kilometres. What's our thoughts on going back to Phillip Island 1 and 2 going with the two 150 races, knowing that there's a big historic race at Sandown, and and uh, we've been to Phillip Island already, haven't we? Yeah, but, you know, it's a terrific track. Any time you can go and see, you know, good cars racing on that, good close racing on that track is wonderful. I mean, the great thing is, of course, everyone's got plenty of data in their bank on a setup to bolt in the car, so, the, you know, the grid should be even tighter again. So you're not going to have to have you know hours of running around in practice to, to work out what you should put in. More than likely, the same three teams that were fast there back in September, was it September it was, um, that being HRT, Triple uh, Eight and FPR, the same three teams will be the same ones that featured in the last four or five races. The good thing is, of course, that FPR won't be just sticking batteries in their boot to wobble around. <laughs> Yes. Grant, uh, what about you? What's your thoughts on the 300? And and uh, was Phillip Island the right place to have it? Or do you think we, we should have... Obviously, we couldn't go to Sydney, and we've already had a lot of races in Queensland just over the last few months. Was there anywhere else? Well, as, as Tony said, I agree totally that uh, Phillip Island is, uh, you know, certainly in our top three permanent racetracks in Australia, so... Uh, you know, any time we can see these cars uh, bang around there, uh, you know, I think we've got to take it. Uh, you mentioned that, um, you know, we're returning to a track for, for a second meeting. Uh, there's uh, pretty limited options around Australia to, to, have a, uh, to have a race at a track that we, we don't go to, uh, being, uh, I guess, Eastern Creek or Malala or Oran Park. Certainly not, not going back to Eastern Creek, not, uh, not while the current executive chairman is, um, is there. And, um, uh, yeah, Malala, I think the, the circus is outgrown and, and they had their, uh, their, their grand finale at Oran Park last year. So um, yeah, Phillip Island, I think, was, uh, was the best option amongst the limited choice. Mm. Well, guys, it's gas and go time now. I will get your uh, race winners in just a moment, but Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. It's got the Bathurst winner on the cover along with some very, very new liveries, including Gary Rogers Motorsport and 
a projected Bayless car as well. So, VX Magazine in stores now. Firstly, to Grant. How young is too young for a V8 supercar driver? We saw Mitch Evans at a very tender age jumping in the Kelly car this week. If Cam's going to give them a licence, I say let them race. It's, it's up to those guys. It's up to up to Cam's to deem if they're if they're good enough and and uh, and old enough. And if they say yes, then I say go for it. Tony. Mitch Evans demonstrated to me around the streets of surfers, which he hadn't even seen before, that as a race uh, driver, he has the maturity of an 18 or 19-year-old. 15 doesn't matter. Wing Cup has stepped aside from the race of champions. Good idea or bad, Tony? Smart thinking. Whether Roland played a, a part in that decision or not, I can't imagine he wouldn't have. Um, it's a smart thing for him to do. Grant? Uh, if he... If to concentrate on the championship, I think he, he made the right call. It would have been great to see how he how he went over there, but um, for personally to to concentrate on the championship, he's, he's probably done the right thing. Mm. Now, should Scafie return? Another from the rumour mongering, <coughs> Tony. Um, only if he's not going to push a kid out of the seat. Great. So there's certainly valid reason as to why he uh, you know he was pushed out of the seat too early, more than likely. Um, he demonstrated on enough occasions in the past that he can uh, do a remarkable job in getting in the on the grid. I mean, I gave him the nickname of the uh, not the professor or the technician, and he is. He works harder at it than most others, but only if he's not going to be pushing the kid out of the seat. All right, Grant. I'd like to see him come back, but I don't know if I'd like to see him come back so early. Maybe give it a couple of years. He seems to be doing quite a good job on on the Seven Network. Uh, and uh, it might make a good story in, in 2012, 2013 rather than uh, right away. But, uh, you know, certainly he's, uh, he'd, uh, be, wouldn't be embarrassing himself. If, did it. Mm. if we're going to take the licences down to uh, 28, then I put the Brad Jones in the white flag lap. You can hear this one. Why don't we have wild cards every round, Grant? I, I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, if, if someone's got the right the right budget, the right car and the right driver to do the job, then, then people should be able to apply it any time to, to be able to do it. The, uh, the, the, there'd have to be a strict, uh, a strict set of rules, but um, you know, if the right guy's there to do it, then let's, I want to see it. Tony? Um, no, I'm not in favour of it. I, I've been at Bathurst in the days of 55 cars. I happen to like quality. I happen to like the fact that you know cars aren't being retired because someone's crashed into somebody else. Mm. It's uh, I think it's far better to have a quality field, even 26 cars. So it's plenty of cars to put on a good race, mm. um, which is also part of my reasoning as to why I'd love to see every driver has to stay in his car for the Enduros, not be uh, paired up. You know. Mm. Yeah, I like that idea as well, Tony. And Tony. Abu Dhabi under lights was spectacular for the Formula One. Should the V8 supercars take the opportunity to have a night race? Absolutely. Absolutely. It will be fantastic. Seeing those cars coming out of the tunnel was just something else. <laughs> Grant? I'd support a night race at Winton. <laughs> <laughs> I do my best work in the dark. That's Gas and Go for another week. And having the fastest newspaper and, of course, a speed cafe on the show, I think we managed to achieve something near our three-minute goal. Guys, who's going to win at Phillip Island this weekend? First of all, race faxes, Tony Wedlock. Yeah, I think you can scotch uh, putting Jamie's name next to that with probably the two other red cars that um, 
of Davison and uh, Tan are very close behind. Wait, you mean the two that are Holden's already Grant? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it's going to be uh, one of the four red cars, but, uh, I, yeah, it's uh, take your pick, really, but uh, maybe, for me, win cup. All right, then. I'm going for Davison. I think he's going to do the job. That's it for the round table. We'll be back on the white flag lap with Brad Jones right after this. But thanks very much. Grant, well, you can take the rookie stripes off. We'll, like, we'll love to have you back again. Cheers. Thanks for having me. And, Tony, always a pleasure. Thank you, Craig. White flag lap is up next. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from the Valvoline Cummins team. You're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. On this week's White Flag Lab, we catch up with Brad Jones, an alternate V8 supercar board member. And I had to start by asking Brad, what does an alternate V8 supercar board member do? Um... Well, there's two of us, Tim Miles and myself, and we take it in turns of sitting in on um, uh, on the board meetings. And um, uh, and if someone's away, then you know this particular person's up to speed with what's going on, and can help them make the decisions. So it's it's um, you know I guess it's a board member when you're not really a board member. Oh, it, so it leads me to say, if you're sitting at the board meeting and the full complement are there. You don't get a vote. I guess there is a lot of crystal ball gazing on the economy and all sorts of other factors which are a lot more global than what you probably have to do when you and Kim are sitting down to, to run your team. Um, yeah, there's, and, it's, and it's a much wider spectrum of you know what's going on because they've got the television, they've got the... Um, the events part of the organisation. So there's, it's, it's, you know, it also dabbles in areas that I'm not, not completely up to speed with. So, um, um, and it's always interesting to look at another business and see how it works. So, so there's all that to take into consideration. With the way that supercars is going at the moment, we see this year's the back end of this year has probably been the most tumultuous we've seen in the history of V8 supercars with having to step up and run those four races at the Gold Coast and then having this weekend coming the Island 300. Um, yeah, I guess I could agree with you in some ways, but I guess it's a sign of the, the, the group and the organisation that, that that was pretty smooth in the transition. No one really hiccuped at all to, uh, to go to India and run four races and when Bahrain was called off and we... Um, and we went to, uh, or postponed, I should say, and we went to the island. That was um, pretty smooth, as well. And and it's a sign of how big the whole thing has grown and how how smoothly it operates. So, in some ways, yeah, they're big changes. But in other ways, it's um, it's all happened pretty much in step. Mm. I guess the good thing about this weekend's meeting is that you've already been paid for a Bahrain race you don't have to go to. So when you look at the extra costs you spent to go with two more races at the Gold Coast and 
knowing that you're going to the island now, it's, it should work out fairly even. It will work out pretty even, but the great thing about going to Bahrain is um, everything's put on pretty much. So you know, it's not going to cost a lot of money to go through the whole exercise, comparatively speaking. Mm. The big plus for me is you don't have to sit on a plane for a week. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's the interesting thing, though, because we're going to start the season overseas. You guys are very proudly a country-based team. Yeah. What are the people saying to you about the start of the season being overseas? Do they care? Um, I've got to say, and we have a lot of passionate people around this area that are into car racing, no one seems to care at this point in time. And I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing. I, I don't, And I also don't know whether it's because it's a fair way off and no one's really put much thought into it. I'm, I'm just not too sure, but I'm not copying much resistance to the fact that it's starting overseas. Where when it first came out, I sort of looked at it and went, "Oh, I don't know, you know, I'm going to be there, so it's not a big deal for me." But I'm just not too sure, and and I've never been too sure about, you know, about too many overseas races. Um, I'm, you know, I'm one of the, I'm one of the homegrown um, with a strong opinion of, of uh, competition at home, but. Um, I, from a race car driver's point of view, it's fantastic to go to overseas tracks and compete. And I think it's it's good for the sport. And as long as it's on television and we all get a, to have a gander at it, and then we go to the clips all, I don't, I don't think it matters that we're starting overseas. What do you think? Well, my personal opinion is it's very, very good for you as a team owner because, as you said before, you're not putting your hand in your pocket. When you go to Phillip Island, you've got to pay for all the costs associated with taking a team to Phillip Island. So the I think, maybe I've been brainwashed by Tony, the fact of the matter is without two races in uh, Middle East and one race in New Zealand, we'd probably only have a 12-round championship. I, I think you're absolutely right. And the other thing is, um, the odd person says to me, oh, the first race are overseas. I, um, I go, well, if it's in Perth, would you fly there to it? And of course, I usually go, no. So as long as it's on telly, it, it, it will be... And, you know, this has potential. Remember, there's not a lot on telly at night in, in, uh, in February. And um, hopefully they can bring the times of the races forward a little bit. And wouldn't it be fantastic, and I haven't spoken to nobody about this, but wouldn't it be fantastic if we could have it, you know, late prime time, sort of, you know, 9 or 10 o'clock at night um, in the summer? You know, I, I reckon that'd be great on a Saturday night. How good would that be? It's funny you should say that because about 15, maybe 16 years ago, I spoke to Brocky about the fact that in regional areas of Victoria, regional areas of different parts of Australia, weren't seeing the V8 supercars, weren't seeing the forerunners to the V8 supercars because Channel 7 had the rights and, and where the 7 and 10 mergers were all on, they were getting them late at night. And I said to Brocky years ago, wouldn't it be good if you could watch the races prime time on, on a Monday night? And he, he was all right behind that because he realised that you can't beat the footballs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You can't beat the footballs. So, so there's lots of, you know, look, I've got to say, I think the business is pretty healthy. It's a, we've gone through a tough time and, and there's a lot of interest. I mean, at the moment, you, you, 
what you read in the magazines about all the interest in the franchises. There's lots of changes going on. Everyone says, wow, there's more changes this year than ever before. And that's quite possibly true, but it seems that that's happening every year nowadays. So there is a lot going on, and, and the sport is in a pretty healthy position, I think. you know, One thing you've got to take your hat off to Tony for is he's done an amazing job of getting the business in a very strong financial position. Mm. And I think the education that Tony and the team have done too has made it perhaps to the fact where we're not getting outraged that races aren't in Australia anymore because he's got the fans educated that this is a very good deal for the teams. Yeah, and it is a good deal for the teams. It's a very good deal for the teams. And um, I watched the Formula One race uh, on the weekend and I thought, wow, that is an amazing circuit. I can't wait to get over there and have a bit of a squiz around that one. Like everyone else is saying, though, let's hope they don't make it a day-nighter because uh, it's a very late night when you're watching a race from Abu Dhabi when it starts that late in the afternoon there. Yeah, I don't think that's what will happen, but but um, unfortunately I'm not privy to that yet. Mm. Now, uh, just finally, you mentioned about the franchises. When we have people knocking on the door really desperate to get more or to get in, as uh, Tony D'Alberto is one example of a, a team that wants to get in, do you think that the hard line about saying there should only be 28 out there is the best way to go? Well, it's a really difficult question to answer. From a team owner's point of view, I'd say that um, I'm, I would I would think 28 is the way to go. And, and strictly for, for um, uh, personal reasons, our, our superannuation fund is our rec. And, and the more people want them, the more they'll pay for them. So if the, the number is limited, then the value of the rec is high. And so, you know, like football codes, if, if you could have private ownership like they do in America. So when we finally are old enough that we need to jump, then it's, it's worth something. If you keep on, every time someone wants one, pulling one out of the bottom drawer, like they did with Larry, and putting it back into the system, then it drop, drops the value of the reg. So um, I'm not sure what the number is, whether it's 28 or 30. Um, you know, clearly Tony thinks it's 28, and he'd bring it down even further than that if he could. Um, and, and those guys that are attending to look at it are pretty financially strong. So um, it costs a lot to run a V8 supercar. Um, I'd like the value of the rec to be, be no lower than where it is right now. And um, if that means that a couple of guys have to fight pretty hard to pay the right amount of money to get ownership on it, then that's the way it is. Right now, I think there are enough franchises out there that everyone's going to get one. Now, he might have to pay a little bit more for it than he wants to, but I think that even if they pull one out of the, out of the system, <clears throat> there's certainly enough movement at the moment that um, the Dalboda should get one. Alberto should get one. Can I give you this one to take to uh, next year, to your next board meeting? I don't know if they'll listen to me, but I'm all ears. <laughs> all right. Stay with your 28, 29 wrecks. Yeah. And because you own a wreck, you get the divvy of all the, of all the uh, associated benefits. Yeah. But have a criteria out there where, for argument's sake, if Tony can't get a wreck, he can enter and qualify into the race. If uh, Stone Brothers can get another opportunity to bring Marcus over, um, and you could just imagine what they'd do to the V8 Supercar Series in America with the fan base that he's building up, um, you know, there's an opportunity. You let anyone that turns up 
who has got a legal car that meets a certain criteria qualify into the race, depending on track capacity. And that way, the teams are protected on their on their racing entitlement contract and the value of that. But the opportunity is there if there's 34 cars turn up, 34 quality cars that meet the criteria, or go racing that day. Um, I don't reckon they'd go for that. But but one thing you touched on that I absolutely support wholeheartedly is when a bloke like Marcus Ambrose turns up with the sponsor and an opportunity with the team to drive in a race meeting like Homebush and we go, sorry, that's not in our constitution. I find that unbelievable, to tell you the truth. I'm absolutely gobsmacked and, and I've spoken to Ross so I know how close that deal was. For them not to be able to you know, send something around to all the teams and, and get that up is I just it staggers me. So um, I, I'll certainly mention it because I'm thinking something along the similar lines. But you need to be careful that you don't, you know. Then if Roland sold his to Rex to someone and he just turned up because he could, and um, he was it wasn't guaranteed we had to qualify on the grid. You know, some people might want to do that. I I could see some people wanting to do that, but. As you said, he's just sold two superannuation plans. Is that a good business model? Yeah, probably not, to tell you the truth. I don't know. I need to think about that one a little bit more. I'll get back to you on it. All right. Well, Brad, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, and uh, we look forward to seeing the BOC and WOW cars down there at the island. Thanks, Greg. My thanks to Brad Jones, also to Tony Wetlock, and, um, of course, Grant Rowley. As the checker flag waves over this edition of the V8 Insiders, keep smiling. And bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.